This is April Navoa with the Everything Considered podcast. Uh, today I'm going to be reading from an article that I have written uh, that will be premiering on Substack come December 1st. And uh, so this is going to be a solo episode. It's called uh, What is Conditioning? Who or What is Pulling Your Strings? So why do you believe what you believe? Why do you do what you do? Why do you think um, what you think? Where did those beliefs, actions, thoughts, and come from? Are they original? Did they begin with you? Have you ever paused to ask yourself these questions? If you haven't, why not? Who told you that you could not ask those questions? If you take the time to evaluate your beliefs, actions, and thoughts, do they feel correct in your body or do you feel a certain constriction, discomfort, or tightness in your body when you stop to consider them? Or do you feel at ease, peaceful, or satisfied with your conclusions? Do you know how to discern what's correct for you as an individual? I just gave you some hints, um, but we'll get to that later. I really like this quote by Dr. Joe Dispenza, and it's impartial. It says, so now 95% of who we are by the time we're 35 years old is a memorized set of behaviors, emotional reactions, unconscious habits, hardwired attitudes, beliefs, and perceptions that function like a computer program. Again, this is by Dr. Joe Dispenza. I love his work. So in essence, conditioning can be defined as the thoughts, beliefs, mindsets, habits, and patterns that have a significant subconscious or unconscious influence on the way we view ourselves, others, and the world around us. Conditioning begins in utero. And if you're uncertain about that, I would check out the work of Dr. Gabor Mate. He cites quite a few studies supporting this. And it's particularly influential during the first seven years of childhood. The Jesuits have a saying, give me the child, for the first seven years, and I will give you the man. Put simply, conditioning is one's environment defining them, whether they know it or not. In the case of the Jesuits, well, they make other Jesuits, right? Conditioning is neither moral nor immoral, but in some cases, it can be and is utilized as a tool for either purpose. So it's a tool. In what ways are we conditioned? So there are a number of ways, but I've kind of outlined a few here I'm going to go over with you. The first one I'm going to mention is our family of origin. And remember, this is not moral, immoral. It just kind of is. It's, it's kind of part of the program. I'm reminded of a story I heard many years ago about a Christmas ham. We're getting close to that time of year, aren't we? Uh, when we'll be gathering and, and uh, having all those traditions. Uh, at the time, I le had left a mainstream cult for a more obscure one. I, I kind of, <laughs> I'm an experimenter. I've tried a lot of things. Um, unknowingly, my new guru was programming me to think for myself and eventually think myself out of his influence, which is kind of ironic. But anyway, he shared this story. Four generations of women were cooking a traditional Christmas dinner in the kitchen together. The youngest of the women was tasked preparing the ham. 
She went about her task rubbing seasoning on the ham and then began to slice off the ends of the ham and discard them in the trash. She placed the ham in a large roasting pan and asked her mother, why do we slice off the ends of the ham? My mother scratched her head hmm, and replied, I'm not sure. Let me ask my mother. Mom, she said, why do we slice off the ends of the ham before baking it? Her mother looked puzzled. Hmm, she said, well, I'm not sure. Let me ask my mother. Mother, she hollered loudly. Her mom was very old and hard of hearing. Mom, why do we slice the ends off the ham? The elderly woman smiled and chuckled and said, well, my pan was too small. <laughs> in a family, conditioning can come in a variety of flavors. We often take on the attitudes, biases, beliefs, preferences, and habits uh, of our family for no other reasons that those conclusions are what we were led to believe is correct or are correct. Mostly, we do so unconsciously and innocently, and rarely is any malice intended. Sometimes this kind of conditioning serves us but very often it does not. Regardless, it is worth evaluation. In what ways has your reality, which you believe to be true, which you believe to be you, been shaped by family conditioning? Next up is our peers. Off to school, clubs and activities we go. Some of us, as soon as we can walk. And who do we encounter? Peers. <laughs> no one wants to be left out. No one wants to be shunned by the tribe. We all want to fit in. And with that desire comes a subtle veering away from who we are authentically and an assimilation into a peer group. Have you ever heard the phrase caught up in the wrong crowd? It's wild how much a group's poor values can become our own. And of course, it can tip the other way if a child ends up with the so-called good kids. We are easily influenced and this is especially intense in the adolescent years. We will easily, if we are not paying close, att close attention, shift what we believe, think, and do to fit in. Although I do think this continues throughout our adult lives as well, perhaps in less obvious and more subtle ways. Next up, our educational systems. I remember when I enrolled my oldest son in kindergarten and got a call from a frustrated teacher that my five-year-old did not want to sit still at his desk all day. Can you imagine that? He was being uncooperative, she said. I told her that he was being a five-year-old boy. I was a stay-at-home mom who, according to her, had let him run feral in his preschool years. He wanted to be a good boy, please her and me, and worked hard to comply with her demands, but I noticed a little light a little light fade from his eyes. This eventually resulted in homeschooling, which I honestly did not do perfectly as I too was conditioned to apply too much structure and protocol. If I could do it differently, I most certainly would. And I would take a more of a hands-off approach. Children deserve to be children. Our educational systems are a one size fits all and none of us are paper dolls. We learn and take in information in varied, unique ways. And if we don't do it in the prescribed way, uh, the conditioned way, then somehow we are less than or are failing. There is no room for the individual in our government-run schools. It has seemed to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, that there is a lot more instruction on what to think as of late than how to think. 
in time, children learn how to submit to external authority rather than access their own very wise inner knowing. They are not taught about their brilliance, gifts, or unique talents or attributes. They become homogenized conformists marching along with the herd, and this, in the long run, robs them of their mental and emotional health and the world of what they have come to offer with their brilliance. Oh, I need to mention government. <laughs> wow, where do I even begin? Altruism is the assumed moral basis of collectivism and statism. It's important to understand that governments are not inherently altruistic, not at all. They are not altruistic when they use our tax dollars to fund wars in which they stand to benefit monetarily and countless innocent people die. They are not altruistic when they give large tax breaks and bailouts to the rich and large corporations and small businesses struggle to keep their doors open and not collapse under the paralyzing tax demands and bogus requirements and regulations. And if you don't agree with their agenda and do not want to fund the decisions the government makes, you can go to jail for refusing to. Elections or selections, as I like to call them, are a whole other subject. They work for us, right? We are conditioned to believe that we need them to lead us and tell us what is correct and right. But do we? This visitor asked some questions that might be wise uh, for us to ask ourselves regarding our strange attachment to our rulers and the religion of government. Uh, there are some problems to say the least. So I'm gonna play the audio and this is called Government Explained on YouTube. And um, you can't really see it, but it's an alien and he's talking to an earthling. So here it goes. Hey, an alien. Yes, I've traveled across space to check on the progress of your species. Cool. Shall I take you to our leader? Your what? Our leader, the guy in charge. The guy in charge of what? Well, in charge of everything. You have one guy in charge of everything? No, no, he's in charge of government. What is government? Well, government makes the rules for us. It tells us what we can do and what we can't do. So is government really smart? They come up with wise rules for you to follow? Well, mostly. But some of its rules are really stupid. Do you disregard those rules? No, we have to follow the rules even if they are stupid or we disagree with them. Government punishes anyone who disobeys the rules. So you are slaves to government? No, 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 it's not like that at all. Government works for us, the people. It serves us. We're the boss. It tells you what to do, and it punishes you with violence if you disobey it, and yet you're its boss? Yeah. But there are some things government does that you don't like. Well, yeah, not everything government does is popular, like spending on wars, for example. What is a war? It's when government basically spends the people's money on weapons and soldiers and then sends them over to the other side of the world to kill a bunch of people over there and destroy their country. I don't like it that government does this. 
Well, I can see why you might not like that. Have you humans reached the stage where you generally consider stealing, enslaving, and killing each other to be bad things? Oh yeah, we know that. Don't steal, don't attack, don't assault. But you give money to government and they use it to kill people. Well, yeah, the government does good things with tax money as well. Why don't you stop paying for the things you don't like and only pay for the good things it does? No, we can't do that. You can't just decide to stop paying taxes because the rules say that everyone has to pay taxes. But the rules come from government though, don't they? Yeah. So government made a rule which says that everyone has to pay them money. So everyone pays taxes because if they didn't, government would punish them using violence? Well, yes, but most people don't mind paying taxes. Most people feel obligated to pay taxes and obey government laws because it's for the good of society. Society needs government, and that means we all have to pay taxes. So just to make sure I've got this straight, government makes the rules and you feel obligated to follow the rules, even the ones you don't like, and it tells you what to do and threatens to punish you if you don't do what it says, and it uses some of the money that it's taken from you using threats of violence to pay for things you don't like and actually think are immoral, like mass murder. Yeah, but we can ask it to please tell us to do smart things and please don't take our money and use it to kill people. We're allowed to ask them to tell us to do what we want them to tell us to do. Are you guys just scared of this thing? Is government some huge monster that can just squish you at any moment if you disobey? No, government isn't a monster. Well, what is it then? Could you draw me a picture of it? Government isn't really the sort of thing you can draw a picture of. Maybe you could take me to it. Where is government? You mean the building? Government is a building. No, but the politicians who make up the government have buildings they work from. So government is a group of these politicians? Yeah. Okay, so what species are these politicians? Well, they're human. Like you? Yeah. So politicians are humans and they're government. You're a human, but you're not government. No. So it's the politicians, they're the ones that boss the rest of you around and make you do things you don't want to do and take your money using threats of violence. But even though you're all humans, you're not allowed to boss them around and take their money? No, they put us in a cage if we did that. But look, it's not like the politicians can just do whatever they want. Like, a politician can't just come up to me on the street and make me give him money. They can't do that. Politicians can only do things like that in their job when they're working for government. Oh, so politicians aren't government. They just work for government. Yeah. Okay, so government isn't a monster. 
and it isn't a building and it's not politicians, it's something else. And it employs politicians who are just regular humans who get to order everyone else around and take their money. How does a regular human become a politician? Well, that's the great thing about our government. It's a democracy. And that means that the people actually have the power because we get to decide who among us get to be the politicians. We get to vote. And if a politician starts doing things we don't like, we can just replace him with someone else at the next election. So the people that get chosen to be politicians only get to boss people around and take their money for a short time. And then they go back to being regular humans. Exactly. That sounds like a powerful position to be in. But if you get to choose who does that, I assume that politicians are always the wisest, most honest, caring and respected people among you. Well, no, not really. I wouldn't say politicians are known for being honest or wise or caring. And they're certainly not the most respected people among us. Come to think of it, most politicians are lying, power-hungry crooks. The ones you chose? Yeah, they're always doing things we don't like. They use taxpayers' money to enrich themselves and their friends, and they never keep their promises to voters. They've been caught stealing and lying and taking bribes, and they mostly do what the big corporations want. Yeah, they're always doing stuff like that. They're completely corrupt. They're a bunch of lying crooks. But you said that most humans know that stealing and beating each other up and killing are wrong. And you said that you have the power because you can change who's in charge. So why don't you just replace the lying, thieving, murderous, crooked politicians with some regular people? Well, we don't try to elect lying crooks. It just always turns out that way. But we have to have a government because some humans are nasty and might kill or enslave or steal. Civilization just couldn't survive without government. Let me get this straight. Because you're worried about the small number of nasty people that are willing to kill, enslave and steal, you think it's necessary for your survival to have a system where some humans among you, for a short while, get to call themselves the government and they get to order everyone else around like slaves and, if they want, commit mass murder overseas using money they stole using threats of violence. Politicians get to kill, enslave and steal because if they didn't, someone else might. And you try to elect good, honest people to be politicians, but what happens every time is that the people you elect turn out to be corrupt, evil, lying crooks. That's your system. Yeah, that's pretty much government. <laughs> so that is a little problematic, I think. <laughs> ah, that alien knows a thing or two. Our media, that's the next one. So when I was growing up, we used to get a TV guide every week. I mean, I'm probably dating myself saying this, but we got these handy dandy little booklets. I have no idea if they even exist anymore. And it's been years since I watched regular television programming. The TV guide would feature the week's programming so that one could flip through it and decide 
what they wanted to watch. The guide would inform them of the, when their chosen program would air. Uh, did you notice the word programming? They call it programming. They're telling us exactly what they're doing. It's called a program for a reason. Your television is nothing more than an electronic mind-altering device. It has been designed to psychologically um, change the ways you view reality. And it's not just TV anymore. Now it's our cell phones and, uh, you know, it's with, they're with us all the time. So things have become even more complex. You have infinite choices 24 hours a day. And if you're on a train or bus, uh, you have this little device in your pocket that will continue your programming if you so choose. If you pay close attention uh, to the messages that you are receiving, uh, they're virtually the same. They, are, they have all common themes. There are things, ideas, and beliefs that are being sold to us constantly, and most of us are completely oblivious to it. We are being programmed by our entertainment, whether that is the news, movies, television, or social media. We are told what to wear, what to drive, what to eat, what and who we should be attracted to, and sadly, what to believe about virtually everything. When the Twin Towers came down, we were all horrified. The media kept that horror going. There was nonstop coverage for weeks and months afterwards. And of course, every year we go through that trauma again on 9-11. So when our president suggested that there were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq and we needed to hold them responsible for 9-11, a war wasn't a hard sell to a traumatized public. Years later, we would find out that things were not well, all what they seemed at all and that innocent people paid with their lives and the lives of their loved ones in their country and in ours. It is a well-known fact that fearful masses can be controlled and media is a perfect conduit to accomplish that task. What we have believed and accepted as truth because media presented it as true, uh, we find out only later that they were wrong. Or the, and do they, do they ever accept responsibility for that? Is there any coverage of their error? Not usually. Can you think of anything recent that's occurred uh, that might have been spun by the media one way and now we're finding out it was something totally different? Hmm. How much of what you believe is being dictated by the media? All media, including alternative media? It's a good question to ask ourselves. So next up is our culture. A good example of cultural conditioning that everyone can understand is slavery. Slavery is obviously wrong, but that wasn't so obvious to our forebears. Virtually every culture had a tradition of enslaving people that they considered below them. There's always an underdog in uh, societies and, and that's problematic. It's amazing what people will go along with just because everyone's doing it. We might think we have evolved past being shaped by our culture in this so-called modern era, but we have not. That is very evident in our bias and prejudice to, prejudices towards one another and when someone disagrees with our cultural conditioning. And that has never been more evident than in the last three years. So a few questions. Why do we work 40 hours a week? Who came up with that number? Why do we have to remain behind the same desk for 40 years to get a silly gold watch? Think about why we do what we do. What are we told uh, we were supposed to do? And why can we not question it? Do we do it because it's correct for us, for our families, correct for society, 
or because our culture dictates it. I traveled to Europe with my husband several years ago. Traveling challenges one's perspective, and that's a very good thing. While in Portugal, I noticed many different ideas about how life should be lived. One that stood out to me was the use of space in architecture. Everything felt small and cramped to me as an American. On closer examination, I came to understand that they utilize space more intelligently and sparingly. In America, everything's big and open, and while I prefer that because I'm conditioned to, they do a lot with a little, and they do it beautifully. Next up is our religious slash ethical systems. What are your firmly held beliefs about God and morality? Why do you believe them? Do you believe them because a nice man or woman, or maybe a not-so-nice man or woman, behind a pulpit or a podium said you should? Do you believe them because a book dictates that you should? When I say religion, I'm not limiting that to churches or religious institutions. I'm including philosophical stances. I'm including anything outside your own conscious that defines and motivates your particular set of morals. Deeply held spiritual or ethical beliefs are different when they come from within. They are sought out inwardly, arising from that inner knowing I constantly drone on about. More about that later. Next up is our medical and scientific systems. Uh, and in my article that I'm reading from, uh, I have an advertisement in the 1950s uh, for a drug called Mornadine. And it was a uh, drug that was given to pregnant women for morning sickness. And and it shows this woman and she's making eggs and sausage and coffee. And it says now she can cook breakfast again because she took her mornadine to get rid of her morning sickness so that she could take care of her family instead of feel ill. Uh, unfortunately, this particular drug uh, resulted in birth defects. And so, yeah, this is science, right? Our medical and scientific systems are constantly evolving. That's what science is. I could say a lot about this subject. But I don't think I actually need to. I mean, I think you know. The evidence clearly points to the fact that doctors and scientists are not gods. They are human beings like all of us, and they are wrong sometimes. And thus, the stakes can be pretty high when they are wrong. Just saying. Now, if someone, if something breaks or I'm, I'm injured, I, I want a doctor to help me. I'm going to assume that for the most part, he or she can handle that. But with everything else, uh, well, it's called a practice for a reason. And I should have the opportunity to evaluate whether that is for me or not for me. Is it correct for me or not correct for me? I should be given the freedom to evaluate that. Science is something that evolves and changes over time. When science is healthy, it's underpinned by skepticism. Carl Sagan had a lot to say about this. Um, knowing um, this, how has medicine or science conditioned what you believe to be true? And I have a little quote, uh, it's probably not from Carl Sagan, but it's his picture. And it says, nice hypothesis you have there. Be a shame if someone was were to test it. Well, that's the very definition of science, right? We should be talking about things, testing things, and making sure uh, uh, that they are the best thing. And if they are not, we should be improving upon them. But never ever should it be uh, uh, equated to a, a religion that you don't question. So I've explored many of the different ways we might be conditioned by outside influences. Uh, no knowledge of human design is necessary to understand what I have shared. Uh, deconditioning, that is uh, getting free from our conditioning, begins with awareness um, and uh, that we have and are likely are subject to conditioning influences. That is the nature of what it is to be human. 
we are subject to these things. Um, and this deconditioning continues with continual inquiry. So we must continue to ask questions about what we think, what we believe, what we do, and why that is. From a human design perspective, we are also conditioned from what are called open centers. And you'd have to look at the body graph. Uh, if you're interested in, in uh, human design, you, need, you can go to geneticmatrix.com and uh, put in your data and you can look at your body graph. But there are open areas in the body graph that are subject to conditioning. Uh, human design is a synthesis of ancient and modern sciences. It's proven to be a valuable tool for human understanding. Human design is a cutting-edge personality assessment tool. It shows you your unique decision-making strategy, your special gifts and talents, where you, you carry your pain and potential for healing and wisdom. In human design, centers are geometric shapes located inside the body graph. They are focal points or hubs that receive and transform energy or life force. Uh, and when things are open, that is where we uh, have primary scepters of conditioning or outside influences are taken into our physical being. So um, this leads to what we call the not self, which is the conditioned self. And you make decisions based on your conditioning rather than your true self. So human design is helpful. It's a helpful knowledge to understand how we might be susceptible to conditioning it's also helpful to understand how to make decisions that are correct for us via our, our own inner knowing, I keep mentioning. In human design, this is called strategy and authority. Strategy is how you are designed to interact with external stimulus, and authority is your decision-making process. It is located in your body. Some people like to call this intuition, uh, inner knowing, and we all have it. We come with it. Uh, from my perspective, human design is about deconditioning and returning to one's own factory settings, as I like to call them, as much as possible. It's about knowing who you are and what is correct for you, as opposed to spending your life having your strings pulled. Uh, human design um, is not for everybody, may not be for you, uh, but it's not a belief system and I am not an evangelist for its acceptance. However, I am a human design specialist. If you'd like to learn more about human design, I'm happy to help you. And you can get your free body graph at geneticmatrix.com. You can also learn more about me and what I offer at uh, humandesignsimplified.weebly.com. -E and I'm a writer for Substack, aprilnovoa at substack.com. And I just want to end with this quote from the infamous Rainer Maria Rilke. Uh, the only journey is the one within. Happy journey. Thank you for listening.